it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. I'm very excited because my friend Nancy McDermott is here for oh so many reasons. Hello, Miss Nancy. Hello, Miss Denise. I'm happier than you are because I get to see you. Now, let me tell you, I have to explain this a little bit because Nancy is an expert on two things I want to talk about, cake and 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 racism okay she's become so it's I know that's a hard mix and I know that with my ADD and the people that know me will think oh yeah that makes perfect sense Denise don't even worry about an explanation but here's what it is and then it'll be Nancy's turn to talk I'm so appalled and what I've been I'm so appalled about how little I know about black history okay that's all I can say one of the reasons I love Nancy, and Nancy and I have been friends for 25 years, so this is not a fly-by-night relationship. We literally have known each other, studied with each other, cooked, gone to conferences, eaten, drank. We know each other. So Nancy has started on her page, besides the many things she does, she has, it's called Nancy's Anti-Racism, which I think is pretty cut and dry, and I really like, I appreciate that cut and dry. Well, here's my story. I'm so horrified by how little I know about Black history. But luckily, there has been an explosion with High on the Hog, the TV show from Jessica Harris's book. There has been an explosion now of wonderful new Black cookbooks. And, and also a whole lot more history. Well, Nancy, shares things on her page and it makes me wonder why I know so little because I went to allegedly good schools. Do you see what I'm saying? So that part of it is all about erasure. And we're gonna do two shows with Nancy because it's so much information that she can share with us. But here's what I wanted to talk about in this first podcast. When I started looking into Juneteenth, the celebration, really a jubilee of Black emancipation. What kept coming up with red velvet cake? Well, now here's where Nancy, again, here's my expert. Nancy wrote a book, Southern Pies and Southern Cakes. Those books, Nancy, are at least, what, a decade? Has it been a decade since you wrote those? Oh, more than that. I'm, I've got Southern Cakes right here, and I'm flipping 2007. Okay. Well, so... Here's the thing, and we'll probably have a picture uh, and a recipe for the red velvet cake that I'm going to talk to Nancy about up on when we, uh, up on the uh, Woman Beyond a Certain Age site, Nancy, so you know. Now, so red velvet cake has been a celebration and a jubilee cake. Now, here's the thing, Nancy. So you're going to talk about your cake because I have a thing about Nancy's cakes. I have made Nancy's coconut cake. But Nancy is a baker, okay? I mean, this woman is a baker. So between her pies and cakes, if you're gonna spend the time to do it, you want it to be the best recipe, in my opinion, that it possibly can be. Baking is a lot, of, it takes more time. Now for me, Nancy, I just say that because I'm not a baker by nature. I like it and I bake once in a while, but you know, you can throw a chicken, a chicken breast in the, uh, in a pan and a couple of pieces of broccoli and you got a whole dinner, but that's not what baking is. <laughs> so again, Nancy's gonna talk any minute. Here's the news. Nancy ha now 
has a YouTube channel baking with her wonderful recipes. So when I found this out, and Nancy, I don't know how I missed it because I follow you, but I discovered yesterday and watched one of them and it was wonderful. Okay, it was just wonderful. And also, so you know, when I shared that you had a new YouTube channel, so many people said, I love her. She's a fabulous teacher. It, all the things that you hope people would say. Okay. And honestly, so I just want to congratulate you on your YouTube channel. And then I want to talk to you about red velvet cake. And then I want to talk to you about, again, Juneteenth a little bit. I don't know a lot, and I'm not professing to know a lot, okay? And I'm sure, and I don't want people to think, well, what are these two white girls talking about Juneteenth for? But here's the reason. I hope to have a Black girlfriend to talk about Juneteenth on, too. But you know what I found out, Nancy, by looking around? A lot of people, Black and white, don't really know much about Juneteenth. It's kind of like where you're from. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. absolutely. Okay. Now tell me how your red velvet cake recipe got into your Southern cookbook. Well, it's, um, it's one of my favorite cakes. It's one of the earliest ones that I made. And somewhere in one of the piles, I have a piece of notebook paper on which I typed. I just remembered that I typed it out. I didn't write it out on obviously my father's IBM Selectric typewriter. He was a, he was a business guy, but he typed things himself. Um, I typed out the recipe and it must've been from one of my mother's uh, women's magazines, Red Book or Good Housekeeping or uh, Ladies Home Journal or something like that. And I just thought it sounded wonderful and I wanted to make it. I don't know if I even made it then, but it was one that I had from those times. And it is, it's just one of my favorite cakes. I love that it's red. I love that it's pretty. Um, I, it's a little bit chocolate. It's, it, I, my theory is it is a spin on German chocolate cake, which is a light, you know, in, in the original commercial coming from like food editors and magazines and not from grandma. Um, yeah. It is a cake using um, chocolate and, and um, there's some vinegar, there's some buttermilk and not a super strong chocolate flavor in that. So red velvet cake has a little bit of cocoa, it has vinegar and buttermilk and baking soda. And the point of it is to be red and gorgeous and a little bit tangy and delicious. And the original frosting recipe is not cream cheese frosting. That is, it shows up in the like late 50s, early 60s. And it's made with a, what's called a roux icing. It's flour and milk cooked into a paste and then butter and sugar cream together. And then you beat the, that flour paste in, which makes it into sort of like a cheater's true buttercream. And then um, for red velvet cake, it has pecans and coconut, which again reminds me of the German chocolate cake. And I, it came from a uh, food coloring company that also made um, uh, flavorings, you know, those things. And yes. it was just fun. And it, I just get so frustrated when people say, well, it was originally made with beets. And, you know, and this people who do not approve of food coloring and think it's the devil have all sorts of stories about how they know the real red velvet cake. But I'm telling you, the point of it is it's delicious and it's red. And if you don't put the red food coloring in, it's just ugly. It's sort of like not chocolatey enough to be pretty. 
Um, but I just love the festiveness of it and the deliciousness of it. And the Juneteenth connection is because red is a is a signature color of Juneteenth. You know, I, I suggest people get my friend Nicole Taylor's new book, a cookbook for Juneteenth and Black celebrations. It's called Watermelon and Red Birds, a cookbook for Juneteenth and Black celebrations. It's brand new. It is hot out of the cookbook oven. And she tells you all about that. So red is the signature color of Juneteenth. Now, the, the cake and that come together because that's the color. And so, okay, let's make Hawaiian punch. I mean, it's not, it, it doesn't trace back to a historical connection, but it's a natural one. Now, what I love about Nicole's book is she doesn't have a red velvet cake in here because she knows you can already find that. That's out there. The grandmas make it, the church ladies make it. It's in lots of cookbooks. She's interested in Juneteenth for the 21st century and connecting and looking at the stories and creativity. And she and Michael Twitty recently spoke on this same point in a, a conversation at the Museum of Food and Drink that I heard uh, earlier this week, um, that the, the goal of a lot of black chefs and cookbook authors is not to just worship the past and make grandma's food. They love that, they revere it. They are all about the ancestors, but it's also what is our history? What are our ingredients? We are the diaspora. We are from everywhere. We are large. We contain multitudes. And what creatively can we make that carries on that spirit? So they're not they're not trapped in, uh, you know, in old times. So it, it's just exuberant and joyful. And and another point about Juneteenth that she makes is it, it's about the end of enslavement. It's about emancipation. Now that's joyful, but if you if what led to needing to be emancipated is not joyful. And so it is sorrow and pain and joy. And it's like, what is that but real life? So she is saying, how do we celebrate while honoring it? I mean, it, it, it's just joyful. And I think, it, I think it's so, uh, there's so much wisdom and insight there in that there's sorrow and joy and there's uh, joy and sorrow. And here we are and it's hot outside and let's remember and salute and have a good time. You said it. Now I'm gonna tell you something. Great minds think alike. I ordered her book about two days ago. It's coming from Amazon <laughs> because I have her first book, which was Ooh. Uh, the, the Up South, Up South Cookbook. Book. Yes. And you know why? I, and I bought it a year ago. I mean, not. it's been out a few years. But I bought it, Nancy, because it said trying finding the South, her roots in a Brooklyn kitchen. So your point, see, here's the thing. I think recipes breathe and grow and change, which is what we know from and from all sorts of reasons. Do you know what I mean? So to write her book, the her latest one, and books I know when you've written books, you have to keep current on recipes. I've written a few cookbooks and when I look at them now, I mean, they're great. There's some really good classic information in them, but you know, when I look at the recipes, I think, oh, this, this recipe wouldn't fly now. Right. Yeah, right. Because we've all changed. It's like so, clothes. It's like clothes. Hair. Yes. <laughs> our fashion. Now, let me tell you, this is my, and this again. Okay. So my husband one of my husband's protégés is one of the most successful black attorney here in Los Angeles. She's amazing. 
and they met on a trial against each other. And she came out of the Johnny Cochran law firm. Wow. Now she's a full part. She was on the OJ trial. She was the woman you saw with the beautiful long dreadlocks. I went to her Christmas party every year in, at her home. Absolutely magnificent. Kenny and I and her boss at that time, we were, we were the only white people there. Okay, everybody was African-American. They always served red velvet cupcakes. And her husband, a huge singer, meaning backup for the t- on The Tonight Show, backup for every star you can ever... He was on the Michael Jackson tour when Michael Jackson passed away. So they're very influential in their community. Well, she would go to a black restaurant that is famous. There's two or three famous restaurants in Los Angeles. And I'd always say to her, Sean, why black velvet cupcakes? And she'd say to me, they're a celebration. And at the time I wasn't connecting what she was saying to me. But here's the reason I've lived in, I again, and what I've been researching on Juneteenth, I felt better that I, I felt less stupid that I didn't know very much when I realized how, how little information there really is, and that Joe Biden didn't make it a federal holiday till 2021. So, I mean, 15 minutes ago. Thank you. <laughs> now, so Red Velvet Cake is about Jubilee celebration, and I think it's deeply rooted in, you know, the Black community and in the Southern community, because one of the things that I love when you talk about Nicole Taylor that I love about Jubilee, Tony Martin, Tony Martin's book is there. I'm trying to expand that it's not just a black, it's not black food. I mean, I don't know if there's any food that's more American than, than, than black food because who was doing the cooking? As we know, <laughs> it's like we've got it all wrong. It, it's, all wrong. it's a perfect mind game that that was sold and sold very effectively with nothing else to go under it. And um, we've uh, it's it's not African American history. It's no, actual it's- American history. If black people are in it, it's not African. I mean, and and certainly there are things that are particularly. I, I don't mean to dismiss that. But it is it is an American holiday. And I think that is the big the big game where white supremacist ideology has succeeded is is thinking it's like there's normal, there's American, there's and that means white people. That means Ozzie and Harriet and Father Knows Best and Donna Reed and um, all all that story. And then, oh, yes, well, and that we we just take that in like the fish take in the water until we are, until we get a chance to think about it. And then it's on us to catch up. we got a lot of catching up to do. We have a lot of catching up to do. Now I'll say this. I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. There was probably three black kids at my high school. Do you know what I mean? I mean, and I knew them and they were friends, but no, I didn't, I didn't know them well enough to be worried about Juneteenth. Do you know what I mean? Or it never dawned on me. Then when I've been doing this research, Abraham Lincoln so had emancipated the slaves in 1863, but then it really wasn't declared until, you know, 1865. And then there seems to be this murky, murky area in Texas where there were still a quarter of a million slaves, not emancipated people. 
then it, it you can and then there were two states that had not that were still fighting against the union so i see that it's been a very murky road do you know what I mean? To us really being uh, acknowledging emancipation. Now, if I feel like that, and then finally the 13th amendment happens, okay? Finally, the 13th amendment says, there is no such thing as chattel, you know, uh, human chattel and blah, blah. But when I looked at the weaving road, it made me feel better how little I've understood. It also made me, which you have talked about at length, it made me realize, you say this, Nancy, and I'm going to make you say it again. It's, I'm feeling like I'm trying to connect the dots. And, and I used to love that as a kid, the games of connecting the dots. Oh my God, I was good at it. So as I was doing a little research yesterday and today for this, because I didn't want to come out, uh, come off as some asshole because I don't know very much about it. Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to learn myself about, I'm trying to teach myself and connecting the dots is not easy. The research that must go into, um, the research that I'm sure that uh, black cookbook authors do must be, I, I bet it's twice as hard as anybody else, okay? It has to be because it's all been erased. Erased, I, I, I made a little list. Erased, ignored, mistold, Turn, uh, flipped around. If there's something bad that happened, it goes from white people doing something to be black people deserve, you know, and, right. and just outright lies, omission. We're not supposed to know. And so the first thing is to ignore it. And I mean, look, look just in the last five, 10 years of our history, how things disappear. Some things are wah, 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 and some things are just kind of fade away. And so many people, we're busy, we're tired, it's hard, we don't want to know. It's a very, it, there is a very effective moving around system of what we pay attention to, what we hear about, what we know. And we think, you know, you and me, it's like, we listen to NPR and, you know, what's <laughs> college and where you, what, you know, we're, we think we know, and that is that is the worst possible thing because there's so much that has been left out, untold, mistold, and and it's not it's not a wonderful feeling to say, "Wow, I'm ignorant. <laughs> I I was miseducated," and I think rather than you know, it's like that's part of the big story. That's why we're here. That's what's wrong, but our biggest effort needs to go into fixing that. And it's like, you know, fortunately the information is there, connecting the dots, seeing things, things are right there. There were records, there were black newspapers from, you know, 1700, 1800, whatever. The stories are there, it, but we think, oh, well, a historian who got a PhD went into the archives and read the things and they're telling us, here's the deal. And it's like, that's one story. Yes. And of course, I mean, in my family, there are different stories. <laughs> there are different yes. stories about who I was, my sister, my parents. You know, it's, it's like that's, that's part of life. And the dangerous part, I think, is believing when somebody says, this is the story, good guys, bad guys, here's what happened and here's yes. why. Yes. And asking people, why did you do that? And they say, well, because blah, 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 blah. We really shouldn't believe everybody. <laughs> my, what did Maya Angelou said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. 
And we have centuries of you know? people showing us who they are. And then they come up with reasons and we say, oh, oh, okay. And we need to be a lot less naive and a lot more curious and um, a lot more, a lot more interested in finding out and learning. And, and that's the exciting part. This is, this is the best time ever for doing that. So. All right. Now, let me tell you, not on the same plane, but in a different plane. And we're, I'm taking you back to your YouTube channel and cakes and pies, because we're going to talk about Black history erasure some more, but not right now. Why, Nancy, are people so afraid? Cooks and bakers alike are, why are they afraid of making a pie or baking a cake? I mean, I literally have friends that are fantastic cooks. They're geniuses, they're PhDs, they're, they, uh, they're wealthy, they, they're poor, it doesn't matter. They know what kind of wine to drink. They run vineyards, you know what I mean? But they'll say to me, oh, I could never make a pie. And I say, why? Now, I don't make the greatest pies. I do okay. Cindy can make a pie, okay? But my pies, my pies and cobblers have gotten better by reading and also by letting myself, I think, off the hook for it, Nancy, because I always, you know what I mean? I, I let myself off the hook and my husband sometimes says to me, this is delicious, Denise. But the fruit sinks a little too much, or I don't think it looks that good, or you know, cheesecake cracked. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm looking for the perfect in it, and I'm never finding it. Like, there's nothing perfect in my life. I don't know why I take it out on cakes and pies, but for some reason, <laughs> nailed <no>. it. <laughs> Hashtag perfectionism kills Thank the you. joy of baking. The joy of baking. So. But why I know with your YouTube channel, and you said to me that these, uh, the, your videos about them have become very popular. Well, I'm sure because you're demystifying how, and also probably making people feel better. I think it's, it's all, it's all here. I mean, there are, there are techniques, there are skills, the, you know, you, if, if you, if you don't, if you put the egg in with the shell on, it's not going to go well. <laughs> So there are things that really matter. You know, I try to tell people, it's like, take it easy, be, be open, whatever. But, you know, you, you can't use raisins instead of baking powder, okay? <laughs> people want to say, can I, I don't have this. Can I do that? Um, perfectionism is, is the big demon right here. And I think that this is a relatively new phenomenon. And I think it is an unintentional, unfortunate byproduct of the foodie world that came in with cooking classes and pastry chefs. I mean, when I grew up, it's like, I didn't know from pastry chefs. I didn't know from restaurants. I went to the K&W cafeteria, fish camps, barbecue places, and the family reunion. And my grandmother was famous for her coconut cake. She was known to be a wonderful baker. And my Aunt Thelma, who was married to Uncle Gary, uh, was famous for caramel cake. So there was that, but all the women made cakes, all the women made pies, all the women made biscuits, cornbread, whatever. That was part of the job description of women in, uh, she was born in 1890 something coming up and she didn't say, I'm a baker. She probably knew, I don't know, 50 recipe and you know, not even recipes written down, 
people used to just bake and cook. And it was a thing like nobody says, I'm really good at laundry or, <laughs> cooking, or, you know, I mean, some people gardening, whatever, but everybody mows the lawn. So I, I think the awareness of France and Italy and piping and gateau and all of that and the joy of that, the wine, the fun, everything, I think it suddenly made it, there's this standard and it is precise and even and the layers match and you put it on a circle. And so my grandmother's cakes, which I consider absolutely beautiful. I wish I had pictures of them, but they, she would never have straight, she would not have straightened off the top of the cake. Why would you do that? Why, why would you waste it? Yes. Yeah. It would look pretty, but that, that was not the thing. So I think we, we were in a time where people are busy. Um, also, you know, my mother grew up in that kitchen and was a 50s mom of baby boomer, was a mother of baby boomers. And she wanted to have TV dinners and canned vegetables and um, Spanish bar cake from the A&P. She, she did not wish to copy her mother's baking. It was, you know, jello <laughs> and convenience and all of it. So there was a big time where it just wasn't common knowledge. And then suddenly when people want to come back to it, you can if you leave out the baking powder and the baking soda and whatever, or the yeast, something won't rise. So it could go wrong in a way that if you turn on the oven, put the chicken in at a certain temperature and take it out on time, you'll get a pretty dandy chicken. Yeah. I mean, it's going, yeah. you know, you're not going, there's so many things that people can do that they don't worry about. And I think if we let go of, and baking there, there are some rules. Now people say, it's a science. And I you know, must I weigh your ingredients. I have, say, I, I have a scale and I mostly keep it in the drawer. <laughs> if I'm baking because my grandmother, well, she didn't even use cups and, and volume measures. But if you are a pastry chef and you need precision and you need every red velvet cake to look exactly the same or else the customers are going to give you hell, there is a reason for that. But just to bake a cake, a pound cake, whatever, I think we need to have a little talk with ourselves and say, I learned how to ride a bicycle and I learned how to speak French and, you know, I learned how to whatever you, you bake by, you get to, we get to make mistakes. We get to have a learning curve. Your, my grandmother's biscuits were fabulous because she was old. She'd made a lot of biscuits by the time we came along. And I remember them. I'm sure when she was 12 or when she first got married, whenever she first started making biscuits, she probably made lousy biscuits for, you know, for a few years because, you know, because there are things that you learn. There are things that I can tell you, but we, we think of, um, there's a perfect recipe. And if it is a perfect recipe, anybody can do it and get a result that looks like the picture on the cover. And that's just not true. And, and why, why are we doing it? I want people to bake because I think it's fun to do it. It's a project. Um, you probably won't hurt anybody. If it catches on fire, you can put it out. And I want it to be a, a source of pleasure and the journey counts. See, the journey does count. Now I have to tell you, Nancy, you, said, you covered so many good points. Now, being that I was a food stylist for 40 years, my job was to make the food look as good as it could because we were selling it. Okay. And, yes. yeah, and I sometimes we were selling that magazine chef knife recipe cake mix. I don't care. We were selling something. 
And people once in a while, you know, at a dinner party would attack me after their second glass of wine. They say stuff like, I hate food styles. They make it me. I'll take it personally. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean you, Denise, but I hate <laughs> because you make the food perfect and no one can do that. And I would say to them, I understand your point. I said, but you know what? If you spent the amount of time that I had spent on that roast beef, yours would be beautiful also, <laughs> okay? If you spent as much time as Cindy did frosting that cake an hour and a half later, your cake would look like that too. So I would sometimes say to them, you know, it's again, there's a little bit of technique and talent here and it's also now, and really what I would say to them is I'd say, put a 40 year old woman on the cover of a magazine with no lighting and makeup and tell me what she, and tell me how it goes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The there's a fantasy, there's, there's beauty, there's, there are all kinds of things going on and we forget what our intention is. That's right. Is your intention to do that or to have a cake for your for a celebration or for cupcakes for a kid's school or something. We apply a perfectionist, competitive, um, scarcity attitude to baking that we tend, I don't think we apply that to pasta. No. <laughs> I don't think we think about that with salads or, you know, or, or, or so okay. many things. And this day and age, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but way surpassing what food styling when we want to perfection is Instagram. It's, oh my God. It, you know what I mean? I mean, it, I used to blame Martha Stewart because she made everything look so beautiful with the right paint on the wall. And, you know, just, I don't know how she got those flowers to drape so that they were just, I mean, when mine would drape like that, they were ready to die. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I used to blame Martha, but now I can't blame Martha anymore. And I don't blame food editors. And I, but now I sometimes blame influencers or Instagram influencers because again, they just, they make it all look like it's so easy and it's not, and they're not caring about the flavor of things. I always say that to people, you know, the thing about what people say to me in food selling, was it good? I'd say, I don't know. We didn't need it. <laughs> You know what I mean? We were just selling the product. We didn't need it. It had been seven hours. No oh. one wants to find out. <laughs> I, we had one young girl come to work where she was fabulous. She'd just come from one of the famous restaurant with its own farm. And she said to us, came and worked with Cindy for a day. And she'd taken our course, I think. And her, her goal was to work just with, just to style organic foods. And people with a lot of integrity in the food business and stuff like that. And I said, so what's that one, two jobs? I mean, where, so if Thomas Geller doesn't hire you, where are you going to work or whatever I said to her? Not to be rude, but I said, sweetie, that's not, you know, and there is a reality of what foodie people want and what all of America is eating. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Which, but one of the reasons, Nancy, and I bring it back to your YouTube videos, People that are afraid should be watching your videos. And now there's so many great YouTube channels. There's things that we used to have to go to a fancy cooking school for. Yes. And here it is. It's like, you can say, how do I some very specific crafty thing? And there is someone in four minutes who is showing exactly how to do it. And you can stop and come back. That's and right. it's just, 
It's like, what fun to learn. How, how can we shift our attitude? You know, Denise, you're worked in Hollywood all these years. You, you were on the set and the director leaned over and the, the actor went to the director and said, what's my motivation? Yeah. And I want us to ask ourselves, what's my motivation? To uh, to went to earn the right to style the cover of the next food and wine, Bon Appetit, Gourmet, whatever. Is it to impress someone for a job tryout? Is it is it to just make dinner? Is you know what we get distracted and then put a lot of things on ourselves, and it just takes away the joy. And I think peeling things back. And sometimes my motivation is. I want it to look wonderful. Just like sometimes I want to dress up and go out. And I, I mean, when, I, when our girls were little, I would, it was like, I, I love to dress up. And so we're going to wear our pretty things and go, but we're not going to have to wear like itchy shoes and petticoats on Sunday. And, you know, because there are rules. It's like, sometimes I dress up, sometimes I frump around. Sometimes I'm really careful and I want it to look fabulous. And sometimes I don't. So it's like, we can we can move among those things. And sometimes we take shortcuts when I, I mean, I love baking, home baking, and I write books about it. But when I realized on a Tuesday at 10, 15, that I was supposed to bring the cupcakes to the school lunchroom for uh, the third grade class, I couldn't get a box of cake mix fast enough or, or stop by. And I did not, I did not even think, what if somebody sees me? It's like, it wasn't cheating. They didn't care. I hadn't taken the time and it really, it really didn't matter. So I think being gentle with ourselves and shifting to how, how can this be fun or, or why am I doing it? And if you don't have a good reason, like it's because your guests are going to be mean and say, how dare you? No. You need a new set of friends. Now that's the truth. So I go to Sicily a couple of weeks ago. Now, and I, we ate cassata and all sorts of Italian cakes that my grandmother bought all those cakes at the fancy bakery in San Francisco, okay? She kept, this was my grandfather's second wife. She came when I, we were already born. You know, it was during the 50s where immigrants couldn't even get into the United States easily. She had to wait in line. But she was the most wonderful grandmother. Her name was Giuseppina. And we loved her and she cooked pasta and filled raviolis and just gorgeous. They were, it was translucent. You could hold it up to the light and see through it. It was so light and beautiful. She didn't like to bake, but once in a while she would make a rum cake. It was just delicious. It was a rum cake and she put powdered sugar on top of it. It was nothing fancy, you know, sometimes in a bunt pan or whatever kind of mold she had. Well, I looked in cookbooks. I made it didn't taste like my Josephina's. I did everything. I, I've done some research. Then one day I'm talking to my sister, Anne, and she says to me, oh, she used a cake mix. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> you said, liar, liar. I said, oh, blasphemous <laughs> Awful, awful, you'd say that poor Josephina's turning over in your brain. And then all of a sudden I remembered when I'm a little girl, but then I worked in my dad's store that she used to buy cake mixes, yellow cake mixes. I had forgotten it. It hadn't even dawned on me, okay? So this week I got back and ever, I made this rum butter cake. I called it a butter rum cake because it was a butter cake mix. And I, when I got to the directions, Nancy, I just put a whole cup of rum in it, okay? I didn't use any liquid but the rum. 
I had a big bunt pan, but it came out perfectly. The texture was so pretty. I decorated because that was the whole thing I wanted to do with the Sicilian legend. And that was really the, the big deal. Now here's the gig. I put it, we eat one little piece. I put it in a plastic bag. Three days later, my husband says, this is the best cake you've ever made because it's had time. Of course, you know how that is. The to gift of time. <laughs> and alcohol. <laughs> Uh, and, as I, and he ate the last piece last night. I had said to him, I'm going to give some to the neighbor. Or I'll throw it out. We don't want to eat all this cake. He ate it. He and said, what do you mean we? <laughs> so I you go on upstairs, Denise. I'll be up in a minute. <laughs> I took a bite of it. And all of this, every memory I ever had of her delicious Butter rum cake came back to me. I was almost in tears because I thought it was a cake mixed with a cup of rum. And so I'm writing a story about it. And I know people will say, what a horrible recipe to put in a book. But it's not because you, I tried it straight and it was never as good. And anyway, for my memory taste buds. Okay. Yes, that was your goal. <laughs> you were, we get mixed up with what other people say we should want or what they want. And do you oh, that's so wonderful? I love that so much. It was so funny because Kenny literally ate the last piece. <laughs> Just give me it, give me a bite, meaning you know how a butt cake is. So I wanted a piece of the crown just to see if if the rum was whatever, if it was three days later that it would taste good. And he went to take he so a little bit of crumb off the bottom because he didn't want to give any of the cake to me. I cracked up. I thought, okay. There's your review. <laughs> There's your res restaurant critic weighs in. Oh, that's so wonderful. Now tell me so sweet. One more question about your YouTube channel. Yes. When people, have you gotten feedback from people after they've watched your videos that they've made the cake or the pie and they've had success? Usually not. I, I think people watch it and they say, oh, that looks good. I'm going to make it. But I so far haven't had anybody come back. I mean, I'd love to see pictures. That That's the biggest compliment. I will say that's something I think that comes more from book or blog because um, because it's really easy to, you know, to be in touch. And I mean, every now and then I get an email from someone saying, you know, I, I made your such and such for my such and such event. And it came out wonderful. And we all had the best time. And I, I mean, sometimes they say this didn't work. What's wrong? <laughs> but but I mean, I've had many over the years. And I just feel like that's such a gift of this work that we do in that I got to be at that party. I got to be a little piece of that. And um, and I'm just giving away something that I got. I mean, I, I'm I'm interested. I actually am interested in the past and, you know, what is what can we update? What is just fine? You know, I mean, some things are very forgettable, but, but I love, I love a story. I mean, you've just told me a recipe with a story. So that's going on my list. I can't wait to make that. I think that's really precious, but there are also things that are simple that have kind of gone out of fashion. And so I'm always interested in that looking back. And I think there are people who, who enjoy that too. People say, I've been looking for my grandmother's, you know, such and such. Actually, Sometimes people say, do you have one? And sometimes I say, I don't. But what you need to do is look at that time frame in history, because it is unlikely that anybody's grandmother made up the only original recipe for rugula or for coconut cake or, or for anything. It's like the secret family recipe. It's like, that is how she made it. And it's 
you know, the thing is the spirit of, this is something that, that I just got so much from Nicole's book. It's not, it's not clinging to some rule. It is, what is the spirit of it? How, how can I channel that great grandmother who's gone now that my father's talking about who made something? It's like, make up the 2022 version. You know, that is, that is the heart of what I, I want us to be going for when we're cooking is to find joy in it. I, Kenny's favorite cupcakes that his mother, of course, she was the, he's the firstborn son. So she would fly from Cleveland with a box of them on her lap in first class. We'd pick them up at the airport there. She would be like, my son. Oh, hi, Denise. And she would. <laughs> Did you get his things? <laughs> doesn't look good. Do you do the laundry? And so, but here's the thing, exactly what you're saying. I got the recipe from from his sister. It was such a mess. I had to rewrite it because I I could tell she'd written this from here. You know, it was just a a big scribbly thing. But to make long story short, I went to Joy of Cooking. I thought this is the same recipe. And there in one of the original Joy of Cooking was her white angel food cake cupcakes. And I meld a little bit of hers into the joy of cooking. And then I found the frosting, which was just a boiled chocolate frosting. And it. And then when I made them, it took me to I, the first batch of frosting, Nancy, even with a candy thermometer, I lost it. Okay. Yeah. It's like- That's hard. Turned, that is hard. <laughs> I turned my back and I looked in the pot. I thought, ooh, this isn't right. And then I, and then as it got more like La Brea tar bits by the minute, <laughs> this isn't right. It had good flavor, but it was no longer- Science project. So the second time I made them and they were delicious. And Kenny said to me, Oh my God, they taste just like my mother's. And he was so happy, it was so sweet. Now I have to, I, I think I used every pot and pan in the house to make those cupcakes and that frosting. And I haven't made them, I'll have to do them again in November because it was way too much work, but they were delicious. I don't think- Once a year, you can do it. And I have to tell you, we're get, Nancy's gonna come back Thank you, Nancy, everything. We're going to do another one. So people, when they've listened to this, Nancy is going to come back. We're going to do a second podcast on just the erasing of Black history. And I think it, here's my feeling, and you tell me if I'm wrong. If white people are at least talking about racism and acknowledging it, and I know that's what you're trying to do every single day, isn't it better than not? I think this whole shit that we've had, this whole ball of shit that we've had is because it's been cover-ups and lies and pretending that it's not real. Exactly. That's the problem. You know, when, when I was fixing to have my second baby, I went with a midwife. And we were talking about how everything's going to go and labor. And she said, the only way out is through. Yes. There you go. For, for birth. And it's like, you, know, you really, you really don't, don't get a choice um, in that situation. But the result is a baby. And I, I think of it as a little bit like having a terrible illness. If I have a terrible illness, let's say cancer. I'm not going to be happy to find that out, but I would rather know than not know because it is going to affect me and I would like to find out and deal with it and do the best that I can because this is completely fixable. It is a made up, a made up pack of lies and 
that the answer is to say, whoa, what the hell? And then it is something that can be fixed and repaired. And there's so much in life that can't. I mean, you know, a, a speeding bus heading towards you on the highway, nothing I can do about that. So <laughs> I, I am really elated at how, how wonderful it is to look at challenging things, ugly things, hard things, because we can do something about it. There you go. So well said. Now, I know we're running long on this. Cindy's probably thinking, Jesus, Denise, not one more. But here's what I have to tell you one thing. I told you how Nancy was. I, I, no, I have to tell you something. The la Nancy, you get rave reviews when we play your podcast. We, people listen, people give us feedback. And I've never, never told you, I should have told you that before now. You mentioned Ozzy and Harriet because there is an example of in my age group, I watched Ozzy and Harriet. One, I was in love with Ricky Nelson more than anything. <laughs> Let's see, get real. <laughs> he was so beautiful. But I remember when Harriet would come out in those shirtwaist dresses. Hi, boys. And my mother dragged her ass out in the morning in this robe that needed buttons. And she had on lanolin and this thick in her face. And she'd like just wanted coffee. And my father would say, I made a pot of real coffee. And she'd say, okay. And inside, I know she thought, oh, you, it's going to be crap. But here's, <laughs> so I get to meet, are you ready for this? I meet Harriet. I meet Harriet. Yes. Here's why she's at her granddaughter, Tracy Nelson's wedding that I've been catering on the island of Catalina. Oh yeah, it was my glory days. Now here's the thing. Ricky was already dead in the helicopter flight. The mother was still alive. One of the Harmon girls, the beautiful, her beautiful mother's big, big eyes. That's a whole nother story and I don't want to get sued. But Harriet walks up, then walks right up to me and says, I understand, I understand you're the chef. I said, yes. And I am so stunned and I say to her, I, 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 this is the greatest moment of my life. I can't even thank you. I used to berate my mother that we, she couldn't, she wouldn't make us those hot breakfasts you always made for the boys. And it's an honor. The shirtwaist dress. <laughs> the shirtwaist dress with your hair done in earrings. She had a bottle, a, a glass of bourbon, just bourbon and one ice cube. It was about, I would call two fingers going this way, not sideways. And she wasn't making the Italian cake. And she, was smoking a cigarette oh. and me, I'm not kidding you I took a big drag honey that was the prop man that made the pancakes and she walked away honest <laughs> and I thought huh? and anyway so as we talk about truth and illusion that was my, I hadn't started working on sets yet, Nancy. Do you see what I'm saying? I hadn't started. Yeah. But, and she walked away. She thanked me and walked away. And I was in her cigarette smoke. And I remember thinking, that's not what I expected to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not life wonderful. That's not what I wanted to uncover. All right. Now, listen, if anyone wants to contact us, you contact us at womanbeyond at icloud.com. If you want to contact Nancy, Nancy's information is going to be on our Facebook page or on our website, womenbeyondacertainage.com, because Cindy 
post everything that you need to know and we certainly will post her new youtube channel and so thank you nancy for everything thank you cindy for everything and um call and write when you get work <laughs> thanks so much bye 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 bye